Morning, team. Nice to have your company. Thank you, Anthony. It's quite a relief to me, actually, that we seem to have got rid of the slush now, which we had yesterday, and that was a living nightmare. That was terrible. Just attempting to stand upright in Leicester Square. Upright? Was, uh, was very difficult. Anyway, nice to have your company. It's Thursday. It's LBC 97.3. lot to get through between now and 7. Stories from the papers, your texts and emails. Uh, a birthday to celebrate. It's Nathan Morley's birthday today. And uh, Roger Foss, who's legally blonde. Well, he might have been at one time. All of that and more after the news, which is next. Lovely. Thank you. Have a nice day, Anthony. You look well. You're good. Like that jumper. Never get tired of seeing it. It's an old one. Fits your lucky glove. Six out in five places. <laughs> I think that's vanish, isn't it? <laughs> right. Nice to be company. Welcome along. It's Thursday. It's LBC 97.3. And uh, being Thursday, he's. I was going to say being Thursday, he's, he's normally here. But of course, uh, he isn't normally here. Because he's been stranded overseas, poor soul. Paul Savory. Good morning. Morning. Stranded in Egypt. I, c- I can think of, of, of worse places to be stranded. Well, yes, but the problem is when you're waiting for a plane, yeah. you're stuck in the hotel Just lobby. You can't do anything. It's not like a, an extra couple of days on your holiday. Yeah. You're in the hotel lobby. And the reason that you couldn't get back was because they couldn't get planes out to you. Well, also they couldn't land because we were going into Gatwick. Oh, right which I haven't flown out of for many years. Many, many years. And it'll probably be many years. (laughs) More until I do it again. But um, I I have to say, Thompson's, uh, we went with, um, Mr Warrington booked it. It's the first time I've booked a package holiday in years, and I'm very, very pleased that I did, because Thompson's, bless their hearts, and and Jeff, the uh, representative in Luxor, was very, very good and, and looked after us enormously well. Right. Um, they told us on the day we weren't going to go out. Yes, they, yes. They, they sorted out lunch and dinner and breakfast for oh, us no. every day and a hotel each night. Right. We, had to, we were in three hotels in three days because of the, the loading capacity of each hotel, and they had to keep us uh, together. But uh, I have no complaints. They were very, very good. There you go. Very, it's nice, very to ha- good. nice to have positive stories. Yes, and... And I got up in a hot air balloon. Would oh, you did, did you go over the desert? Yes. In a hot air balloon. Do you have to do it very early in the morning? Yeah, the pick-up was ten past five. Right. Yes. We <laughs> did, it's well, a bit like doing this, really. It's a bit like doing we, we did that. We went to uh, America and we did the Grand Canyon. And they said, uh, you'll be taking off at five in the morning. I thought, it didn't actually pose any problems for me. But to be no. honest with you, once I was up there, we're in a little tiny plane. As you go over the Grand Canyon, which I thought, naively, you just go up, you fly over... Big hole in ground, that's it, you fly back, it's very nice. Oh no, it goes for hundreds of miles. You fly along it, don't it you? You just fly along it, it just goes, and we were in a little tiny plane, so we're buffeted by these thermals. All I want mm. to do is be sick. <laughs> just, <laughs> so in fact, I didn't enjoy my experience. And normally you get the other end, and then you, you land, and then you get out and have a look over the edge of the Grand Canyon, you go, yeah, it's lovely, and, and then you get back in the plane. We didn't even do that. We circled and came back again. <laughs> it was it was really good, though. I mean, to be honest with you, I was very, very impressed. But you haven't done the balloon? No. I used to work in a hotel in Newbury, which is uh, now a Ramada called the Elcott Park. And they used to do balloon rides from there. Mm. I should just cut their grass. I would do it again. Yes. It's very peaceful, isn't it? I was bullied into doing it. I, I right. really didn't want to. You didn't want to but, do it. But it didn't bother me, because I don't like heights, you see. Yeah. I'm not bothered about being in a plane. I don't like heights either. But um, I can't do step ladders. <laughs> I, I seriously, I stand on a chair scream. and I get giddy. I'm, I'm just not very good with things like that at all. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I thoroughly recommend it to anybody. Yeah, was it very expensive? 
Uh, yes, it, it was £90 for, a, for an hour's flight. Each? Yes. Right. But mind you, they have to blow the thing up, and it takes a lot of people... <laughs> <laughs> it takes forever to blow it up. There was a lovely piece of music which is on the Shaft uh, soundtrack, mm. which uh, is done on a xylophone, one of those electronic xylophones, and it's sound, and they've used it for a lot of balloon trips. Because it's really a pretty piece of music. Hmm. I don't know why well, I told this one just told us where we were going and what we could see. Right. You see, I'm, I'm like you. I would think you go up there, you're in a little basket. What happens if some bird flies, flies into the balloon? Do you just drop like a stone? Of course not. Well, you don't glide in, do you? Well, it, it would come down gently. Yeah, so they tell you. You see, I'm never too well, sure about things like that. Well, you see, if a bird went into it, the hole would be tiny. Yeah. Yeah, but even so... Well, he said, I'm a bit worried by things. I get panicking. Although I learnt something new this morning. There was a programme on about the Titanic. And I'm fascinated with the Titanic anyway, and they keep coming up with new little bits. And the the two bits which I was fascinated with were... They, when they designed it, they designed it so if one compartment flooded, the next one shut it off. Mm, that's normal, yes. But it didn't work in this one because five flooded. That's and right. it was only capable of four flooding and maintaining. Had they gone directly into the iceberg, the ship would have survived mm. because the impact would have just crunched in the front of it, but it would have been fine. The other thing was, when they said women and children first, they didn't mean no men. They meant women and children first in the lifeboats and then make up the numbers with the men. As a result, the crew who were putting the people in the lifeboats just thought it went, meant women and children. So they were stopping That's men right. going in. So many of the lifeboats went down empty mm. because if there was only two, two women and a child, they just went down and there's men standing there. So people threw themselves in the water. The, the effect of cold water on the body is that between 15 and 45 minutes, it lowers your temperature so much that you, you pass out and yeah. you get hypothermia and you f- and that's why most people just froze to death. Mm. Even if you flail about, eventually you just slow down, slow down as your body drops in temperature. Did you see the programme where um, they supposed that it wasn't the Titanic that went down? It was just where they thought it was another ship. Yeah, it was the, uh, the Olympic, I think it right. was, who, which was built at the same time. And it was all to do with insurance. Right. And um, some insurance. No, the, the, well, apparently the um, was it the Carpathia that yes. came and picked them up. Yeah. The um, the Carpathia was supposed was, was there to pick them up. Right. According to this program. Yeah. Uh, and the the where the impact was was actually wood. Oh right. Because there's no, the, I think they've not found the uh, the piece of the hull that hit the iceberg. Yeah. And um, I've, I've seen the Disney a, film, which is great. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. But uh, but apparently you could tell the two ships apart only by the position of the rivets. Right. Uh, and they actually worked out some of the rivets on the ship were not as good as they could have been. Oh, well, true. And and there was something else on there, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, that's right. The um, the man who was doing the the telegraphing. There was another ship who was sending a stronger signal, which was blotting him out, and he was trying to do it to the Carpathia mm. to say, this is where we are, this is, our re- this is our position. The reason they couldn't see the iceberg is because it was freak conditions. The sea was so calm and there was no moon. And they couldn't see it until literally it was a thousand yards in front of them. Mm. It would have been easier, as I said, had they gone into it, but they veered off and it was that veering off that took off the, uh, the bit underneath. Mm. And that's when the water flooded in. You know, what I'm saying is pure speculation, of course, and yeah. there's probably a load of rubbish. They never but... discovered, do you know where most of them are buried? Canada. Yes. Canada, most of the people, in unmarked graves because they couldn't identify people. 
They're all fragile. Bottom of the ocean, though, there must be cars, all sorts of, because people took their cars across there. There were lots of brand new motor vehicles that were being mm. shipped across the Atlantic. So they would all have been in the yeah, hold. They'd have decayed by now. Still like to see them. Still like to see them. Mm. Interesting. Anyway, in the, uh, the papers this morning, Victoria Beckham doesn't do very well in America, which is a bit of a shame. She went on a, a US show. And the idea is she was supposed to be uh, doing her opinion. Unfortunately, for poor old Vic, as many of you will know, I mean, well, you, you probably don't know, but I'll tell you because I know her of old, uh, she's not very good at talking. She never was very good at talking. And in this particular show, she's in with a few people who completely walked all over her. And so on the panel, she was just... She sat there staring into the distance, not offering any solution whatsoever. It was, it was a bit of a shame, really. So her dream of becoming a TV star is fading away. Critics have branded her gaunt and crazy during her American Idol debut. The trouble is, she's not that sort of person. She'd like to be, but she's not. She's just, that's why, when you see her coming back in and she's got her head down and all the rest of it, it's only because she's got nothing to say. Mm. She wouldn't know, you know, if somebody asked her questions. She's not, she's not that sort of person at all. And there's also the other picture of uh, Britain's smallest policeman now, who is PC Robin Port, who is five foot tall. Oh, bless. He looks like he's wandered in from pantomime. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> this picture of this poor little bloke in the papers today. I mean, he does say that he has a, a black belt in karate or something. Fat lot of use that is. What's he going to do, whack your knees? Well, I don't know. You look at it, I thought policemen had to be a certain height. Well, so did I. Well, obviously not nowadays. You can be any height you like. And he's, he's a little stocky for a policeman as well, isn't he? Don't you think so, Jess? He's a little bit... Look, I mean, you know... Looks a little bit oh, stocky. Yes. He's the smallest ever PC. Bless his heart. There you go. Not exactly a great thing to have written on your, your obit, is it? Or your obit. Sorry, not your obit. <laughs> your CV. Well, I am the smallest policeman. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't look right. You know, you want somebody who looks a bit more intimidating, I think. And tall is best. Paul. Steve. In the uh, Express today, which is the only paper I've got, uh, there's <laughs> well, a... Here we go. <laughs> 25 things that shaped modern Britain. And I started to read this, and the first thing I came across, which rather amused me, was penicillin. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good joke. They're obviously talking about the discovery of it, not the usage of yes. it. <laughs> but uh, Land Rovers, Kenwood Chefs, JCBs, which I didn't think were English. Oh, didn't you? No. It's but, the Bamba family, isn't it, JCB? Apparently they are. Bamford. Yeah. Bamford, close, sorry, close, yes, Bamford. Yes. They have that shop down in um, Sloane Square. Yeah. <clears throat> and I also didn't realise that supermarkets were a UK invention. I always thought they were a US invention. Oh, I don't know. I never thought about it. It's got that supermarkets one. down here, and I'm very No, because we see. had Lipton's, you know, the, and you go and they go, I'll just have two slices of bacon. And they'd go, and would that be with one egg? Yep, just yes. one egg. And would you like some broken biscuits today? Oh, broken biscuits. Do you remember biscuits? those things? Yes. With, the, with the, the tin with the glass front yes. that you lifted up? Yes. I can remember going to Woolworths, next door to a shop I worked in, and Woolworths had a little cafeteria, mm. and you could get a, a sausage roll. I could mm. buy ten number six, which was fine, because we couldn't afford anything else. Ten number ten were one and ten pence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if, if you had a cold, you bought um, menthol cigarettes. Yes, that's right. Didn't you like consulate, or if you're feeling very flash, some more ribs or cools or cools. Do you remember cools? Cools imported. But I do remember yeah. broken biscuits. We used to get broken biscuits in Woolworths, and it was for people who couldn't couldn't afford proper biscuits. That's right. Now that's you buy right. them in the supermarket, take them home, and they're broken anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very pleased to see on this list the Danzet record player. Oh, a Danzet. I've got one. Have you? Yeah. Well, still. Yeah. Good well, I've uh, recently bought one. Yeah. I actually bought it for a photo shoot, but I've kept it. 
Wow, a dancette. Does it's it work? Like new. Of course, it's fantastic. I had an Elizabethan tape recorder for a Christmas present. they present. made them then. They did. <laughs> so Walter Raleigh himself was known to have taken one. But uh, it was an Elizabethan and it had the magic green eye. Oh, yes. I don't in the middle. These. The green eye was a little bar of green light, and you went one, and it moved backwards and forwards. Oh, right, the, like the LED. Like LED things. things, yeah. And I used to have tapes, and I used to record my own shows on there. Mm, I remember getting a Philips one with the... You know, remember the rocker that you, you held left to rewind? Yes, yes, yes. Right yes, to fast forward, yes. and you pushed it up to play. One of those one Christmas. Remember that? Well, Sabre is very old, ladies and gentlemen. Not I do as beg old your pardon. As you, uh, my mother told me about the Yes, Christmas. exactly. Quarter past five. News headlines. Teams of British rescue workers are due to begin work in Haiti later, as aid agencies say they're already running out of supplies after Tuesday's earthquake. Three people are still being questioned in connection with the murder of a man who died after chasing robbers in Barking. And the Met Office has issued another severe weather warning after the latest snow turns to ice across large parts of London. Have a check on the roads for you this morning. It's our old favourite, Hugh Broom. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, it's uh, misty in places as well. It's ice... Morning, everybody. It's nice to be company. It's LBC 97.3. It's Thursday. It's January the 14th. And Jackie says, my husband gets vertigo standing on a shag pile carpet. Bless him. <laughs> I know the feeling. Uh, the piece of music from Shaft is called Ellie's Theme, says Craig. You're quite right. It is called Ellie's Theme. And if you open up the mail today, there's another picture of this, the world's shortest policeman, five foot. It does look like he's wandered in from pantomime or a Benny Hill sketch, mm. you know, without being disrespectful to him. I thought that policemen had to be... Five foot six, but apparently now um, you can be any height you like, which does seem a bit ridiculous. You know, there's got to be. It's like sort of saying, you know, can we have fat soldiers? No, of course you can't. I mean, I know that Ross Kemp is an exception when he sort of does his things, but I mean, he's just overweight anyway. He's not a real soldier. He's just pretending to be That's a soldier, right. which is which is completely different. Oh, and Danny Minogue's going to be a mummy again. That's really well. I say a mummy again. She's going to be a mummy. Yes. Which is very good for the, uh, the woman who has been around the world quite a few times. Is not married to the man who's got her pregnant, so we just hope that she's either going to get oh, married or not. It's very nice quickly. to see she's settling down to our English ways. Absolutely, so fantastic there. But she has said to Simon Cowell, don't worry, I'm, I'm still available and I'll still commit myself 100%. I mean, quite clearly, she was having, you know, she was having unprotected sex. That's why she's pregnant. <gasps> how can you say such a thing? Well, how else? Well, she probably wants to get pregnant, but she's not married to this man. And I worry, I think that, I'm sorry I'm a bit old-fashioned, I think people should be married when they start having, indulging in carnal relationships and, and things like this, because it can lead to, to children. You know, she has a jet-set lifestyle. What's she going to do with this baby? Will it be in a papoose on her back? You know? She's Australian, not Alaskan. <laughs> I thought she was Indian, related to higher waffer. <laughs> but I mean, I just sort of think to myself, it's, it's a case of, it's attention-seeking as far as I'm concerned. What, it's a, a baby? It's a single mother, Paul. It's a single mm. mother. Maybe she wants a council house. <laughs> Do you think so, yes. But apparently the good news is, because she never fails to tell us, Kylie's already phoned to wish her well. Oh, whoopee-doo. I can't uh, wait for that one. What the hell are you doing? Expect the pictures to appear in a magazine mm. near you any, any month now. And uh, there was another... I, I did... Um, why did I... I folded over a piece of this paper, and I now can't remember what the dickens it was that I folded over. So, well, while I'm desperately trying to find it... Oh, it's here. Oh, it's the story that Nick Ferrari did the other day about a couple who go away from their house, uh, the Mosedales, mm -hmm. and when they come back, Romanian gypsies have moved in. 
Oh, yes, it was on the news last night. That's right. And we're not moving. They went in and they uh, they squatted illegally. Then they said, well, actually, go if you give us 2,000 quid. Uh, the, um, the leader of the Romanian gypsies, some woman called Luminita... Uh, did the one-finger thing to the camera crew and the other people. They did, de- strangely enough, they did decamp yesterday. Yeah. They have left the house, but and they, strangely enough, refused uh, the offer from the uh, council to have their housing needs assessed. I think we all know the reason for that, don't we? Yes, they're going to do a squat somewhere else. Exactly. But yes. did you know yesterday they also produced um, a tenancy agreement? But they didn't know who it was, who it was from, exactly. did they? Yeah. In other words, loads of bogus things like this. I'm sorry... I know that in this country, if you go out for the day and you come back and you've maybe left a window open or your front door on the latch, somebody can move in, change the lock, and you've then got to go to court to get them out. And that's why these people, whoever goes in and squats, they haven't had to break into the... If they break in, that's different. But if you stupidly have left a window open or a door on the latch, they can walk in and you can spend up to six months trying to get your place back again. As far as I'm concerned, you see, I would have no truck with this at all. I would employ some very heavy men. They would go in, they would pick them up bodily and throw them out on the street. I'm not having any of this truck anymore. I'm sick to death of this mamby-pamby situation of, oh, we've got I'm a pander to these people. I'm afraid I'd go further than you. I'd want them roughed up a bit. Yes, I, 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 well, I was expecting that the throwing out bit would involve the roughing up. Why right. do we put up with this? Why are we such a mamby-pamby country? We go, well, oh, let's look after the these people. Is an ass, They're in why. somebody else's house. It's not their house. <clears throat> I don't care what anybody says. Well, we're far too busy being... Uh politically correct in this country than looking after our own, I'm afraid. Well, I'm, I'm not politically correct. Mind you, the BBC have just fired a newsman. The reason being... <laughs> you'll love this one. Uh, he's, he's a BBC journalist reporting for both TV and radio. Uh, but by the, the, the moment he finishes and goes home, he becomes a hell's angel called Echo. And he's been interviewed on the BBC talking about police being heavy-handed at annual bikers' festivals, and the BBC have sacked him. They said, I'm terribly sorry, you can't be a newsman and a Hell's Angel, so they've kicked him out. I think that's probably on sticky ground. I would have thought so. I would have thought so. I mean, it's, he, he's 51. You know, if, he's, if they say to him, you can't be a Hell's Angel while you're on the BBC, yeah. that's fair enough, but he can be a Hell's... He can be what he likes in his spare time. He sees it, it as a hobby, being a Hell's Angel. Well, you know, as long as it doesn't hurt the children or scare the animals. Yes. He can do what he likes in well, his spare time. Well, that's what I that's thought. Ridiculous. That's what I thought. But obviously the uh, BBC have thought differently. You're not watching Celebrity Big Brother, are you? No. No. Is anybody? I don't think many people are, I'm afraid, at the moment. We're only watching it to see who we can actually kick out. And I think it'll be that girl who apparently um, bedded an elderly old man, and that's her claim to fame, which is a bit of a shame. Everybody's now saying, according to one of the papers this morning that uh, they were all having a go at Jordan and saying to Alex Reid, listen, ditch her, because she's a nasty piece of work, she's a bitch, she's this and that. And, and it is the best advice. Unfortunately, it's the only thing that's made him famous, hanging around with her, because he didn't, he didn't actually have any fame before that, even though he was in Hollyoaks. But he's, he's getting a bit old and jaded now, and it's not so good, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, I had an Elizabethan. I recorded the Daleks talking, ran a wire from my bedroom to a speaker hidden in the rockery, pressed play when the little old ladies passed. They were very terrified. <laughs> I, used, I, I used to record my things. I had a tape. I think it cost £25, which was the price of our Christmas presents in those days. Second hand, quite clearly. But uh, if Paul had a, a darn set, 
That was good. Uh, and Angela says, yes, they did. Policemen do have a minimum height of about five foot nine, which is, uh, which is right. I was very amused to see a tiny policewoman shorter than me. I couldn't believe it. Under four foot eleven. Mm. Is he a fully-fledged policeman, or is he one of these no, uh, he's a police community co- service No, officers. no, he's, he's, he's proper PC. He's apparently been in the army. That's what? I've got uh, perhaps a mascot or something. <laughs> I can't actually see him being a proper soldier. I don't, he doesn't look frightening in the Stop papers. It. He doesn't look be... frightening. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's hard, I mean, already he's had to endure people going, hello, shorty, and all that kind of thing, which doesn't bode well, because when people have had a drink in Wales, mm. they're not... Mm. Is of, that where he is? He is in Wales, yes. He's, in, he's one of your own. Not necessarily. <laughs> he's one of your own. They, they love him there. As I say, they, they do look on him as a sort of like a, a, a Polly Pocket. <laughs> you know, you could have him well, sort they of... Well, would He could be one of the borrowers, <laughs> couldn't he, or something? They're a little bit uh, down to earth there. Uh, more on Vicky Beckham. US critics dubbed her gaunt, crazy granny and an off-putting sad failure, I'm afraid, mainly because she doesn't know how to fit into these sort of shows, where I would just go on there and go, I'm terribly sorry, don't waste our time, you're rubbish. She'd sit there and, and sort of... She, she was just a little bit off-putting. She was standing in for Ellen DeGeneres, who's taking over from Paula Abdul. Well, of course, all these people are experts at doing the put-downs and dismissing right. people, whereas Vic Beckham just wants to be loved by everybody, but it's not happening, really. Mm. So, <laughs> Paul. Steve, uh, a newly trained hypnotist has apparently accidentally put himself into a trance for five hours while practising in front of a mirror. <laughs> His name is Helmut Kirchmeier, and he was found by his wife Joanna staring into thin air in their North London home. Mr Kirchmeier, whose stage name is Hannibal Helmerto, had <laughs> learned to put himself into a trance to help him swallow swords on stage. He had been taught the skill by hypnotherapists to assist a new act for the Circus Forest shows, but as he practised the skill in front of the mirror at 10am, he set himself to sleep until 3pm when he was found by his wife. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. My, uh, my um, bank manager, uh, two weeks ago, uh, came outside and discovered that a bus had taken the side of her car off because she lives on one of those routes where the buses come round the corner, big double-deckers down in Brighton, took the side of her car off. Uh, luckily, she was there and saw it, so she was able to stop the bus, because many times they drive off, so you very quickly take a photograph, and she did all of that. Um, took the car in. Two weeks mm. later, it, it comes back. She was very pleased. It's all been done. They gave her a hire car while it was there. Yesterday, she comes outside of her house, car parked up where it normally is, and then she hears the car coming down the road, and the car breaks, and it slides straight into her car again. And she said, you won't believe it. But it's got to go back into the garage again. But because the garage is so busy, with everybody who's smashed into everybody else's cars, um, it's going to be another two weeks before they can get it in. I mean, luckily, it's only the back of the car. But uh, just let that be a lesson to you. If you've never driven on snow or sludge or ice before, don't, because it's very, very dangerous. LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, LBC 97.3. It's 5.30. Morning, everybody. John in Essex says, a little party popper copper. Which makes him look quite sweet, actually. And apparently somebody says that the police height was lower to increase ethnic numbers. Bit of an insult, isn't it? What are you saying? All ethnic people are short or something. I've seen some very tall ethnic people. I don't think mm. that would make any difference at all. Anyway, I suppose we have to do it, much against my better judgment. We have to go to uh, Nathan Morley in Cyprus. 
And go, Good morning. Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nathan. Happy birthday to you. I'm touched and slightly emotional. I know. Well, I was singing it. <laughs> and happy birthday from Paul and Reiner, from Dawn in Ryslip and Noreen as well. Oh, blimey. Well, blessings to you all. And Thank you, you very much. And apparently you're doing that old I'm 36 routine. Well, we Yes, well, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> I've been doing it every year now since 1987. And it's, I'm worth <laughs> it. it's worth it. Many happies. Thanks very much. Good to hear that ethnic people are short. Yes. That puts me in my place. <laughs> if only you saw the picture. I'm sure if you go on the internet, you can find out this little small yeah. copper who's only five foot tall. And, yeah. uh, is it, and he's in Welsh Wales. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he does look like he's wandered out of the Crankies home video. <laughs> so, he's almost just a halfpenny. He's almost just a halfpenny, exactly. He's a police officer. Yes, he is, yes. I thought they had height restrictions. Or, uh, well, that's what uh, I thought. I thought it was five foot six, but apparently it's not. Hmm, that's very strange. So hope for you. I mean, uh, well, I, there is hope for me. I can be at the police academy by, by tomorrow morning, <laughs> if this is the case, because there's nothing I'd like more than to put my life in danger by tackling hoodies and thugs and terrorism. I suppose the thing <laughs> oh, you have to do is make sure you send him out with somebody who doesn't look too tall. That, that was the problem, and the big problem. After uh, the craze mother died, Violet, uh, Ronnie was allowed... Was it Ronnie or Re- Reggie, I think, came out of prison for the funeral. And yeah. what they did was, because he was only a little short midget, they put him with the tallest coppers that they could find to make him look very insignificant. <laughs> and there were lots of pictures in the paper of him standing at the graveside in handcuffs with these enormous coppers standing next to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what they say about... Uh, oh, he's Devon, uh, is he, this, this copper? Oh, he's in Devon. I do pick him up. He's not Welsh Wales. That's all right. Welsh Wales, Welsh, I like that. We've, we've moved him. I do beg your pardon. I thought, <laughs> ever so sorry, I thought he was in Wales. He's in Tiverton. Oh, Tiverton. Well, I think that they're probably not too bothered about restrictions. There can't be that much crime in Tiverton, I fancy. Well, I don't know. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, uh, he had, apparently, previously served in the army and served in Iraq and Northern Ireland. Well, my brother's a, a pretty short fellow, and he was in uniform. <laughs> <laughs> he apparently had been awarded several campaign medals. He just couldn't reach them. <laughs> oh, bless. You, you are being shortest now. Exactly. <laughs> apparently was seen, was seen playing 18 rounds of uh, golf the other day. Fell in six, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could actually make a complaint to the radio authority, being a short fellow myself. Well, you'd be very old-fashioned. We haven't had a radio authority for ages. <laughs> well, I'll still, I'll still complain to them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the trouble is, all I've done is just nicked uh, Ronnie Corbett's act, because that's his entire act, based on the fact that he's short. Yeah, but Ronnie Corbett always looks... You, you don't realise how short Ronnie Corbett is on television. Until I you mean, see you him. Know, when you see him, that's when it hits you. You yeah. think, my God, this is a short... Man. That is the trouble. But, it's when it hits you that you've, you've got problems. <laughs> but uh, I, I was always surprised by Ronnie Corbett because I didn't ever realise he was so tiny. Yes. So uh, many people but, uh, are in the business. I've seen loads of... An- Angus Dayton is not a tall man. Mm, he's, yeah. he's another short one. There are loads of people in the business who you think, you're really going to be tall. Ian, Ian McShane, who was Lovejoy, another one who's not very tall. Yeah, yeah. And you think, yeah. it's, and you're not very tall either. I, I'm tiny. You I'm are. minute. In, in fact, if I was in a uniform, you'd think I was a doll or something. You know, <laughs> some sort of uh, some sort of toy action man. <laughs> well, hardly action man. <laughs> <laughs> action, action pot bellied man for the for the for the child who can't be asked to do much. I don't think you there's know, enough wax in the world action. to make you. <laughs> <laughs> 
We just have to have a photograph and say, we were going to buy you a Nathan doll this year, but we decided to change our minds. Well, we've been having a little bit... Uh, do you know what? Uh, what if we had to, a Nathan doll, what we'd call it? My wife and I have been arguing about names. Not that we've got anything to name. Yeah. You know, I'm not giving you any news that she's pregnant or we've got a new cat or something. But I was suggesting the other day, if we were to walk down that path, I would like to call my, um, my child uh, either um, uh, Alva... Alva or or Pervase, and and she's horrified by this choice Pervase. of names. Pervase or or do you, do you remember um, Alva Liddell? Alva Liddell, yes. Alva Liddell, yes. And, and and I don't. This is a redundant name. You never hear that anymore. Do There's you? a reason. Sorry. There's a reason. It's a lovely name. It's a silly it's name. It's a lovely name. Hello, this is my son, Alvar. I Alvar. Don't think so. Alvar Morley does not sound right. Alvar Morley, it's got a ring to it. Uh, but it somebody, if, uh, she's told me if I ever name anything Pervase, I am in serious trouble. Yes, I don't even know no, anything. Anyway. Yeah, what's the matter with Nathan? Nathan? Yeah. Oh, it's an awful name. Oh, that, oh. My mother wanted to call me Lettuce, believe it or not. Call you um, as a Lettuce? Lettuce. I don't know whether she was lettuce high on... Lettuce prey. <laughs> <laughs> It's a religious aspect to your family. Lettuce pray. <laughs> That'll go all day, that one. Lettuce pray. <laughs> lettuce pray Morley. <laughs> Why lettuce? Apparently, well, I, don't, I don't know what it was, or there was something. No, it was lettuce, and then Zoe, after David Bowie's son. I think it was David Bowie, because we were born at the same yeah, time, Zoe apparently. Bowie. It was Zowie Bowie. It was Zoe Bowie. Zoe Bowie. Zoe Bowie. Yeah. I thought it was Zoe. Um, and, and they ended up on Nathan, which, funnily enough, means the gift. And, um... Well, they were. <laughs> well, <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. The, the, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you don't want it to, it does. There's no, there's no end to my... <laughs> no end to my giving. No, exactly. <laughs> it's like, where would so, you be uh, without a laugh? Here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to phone you up after the show and keep giving today. Oh, dear. Well, no, you shouldn't be able to, because that's your birthday. I don't know how, it is how my people birthday. celebrate in, in Cyprus. I mean, do you, yes. do you get birthday cards and stuff like that? Actually, um, I, I didn't. Uh, oh, I, no, actually, there are some on the fridge. There, there, uh, there's a couple that came through the post, so I have to open that. I, that'll be for my, for my fire old grandmother up there uh, by Grimsby Docks, uh, <laughs> keep, keep, <laughs> keeping an eye on the, on the ships. Yes. And, uh, is she the, still the, making all those nets for the, uh, for the fishermen up there? It, she is, she is. She's doing a, she's doing a fantastic job. She's down at the, the mariners, uh, you know, welfare uh, building very doing the nets. Very popular. She's very popular with sailors and, and drunks. And and um, she, she also uh, helps out, you know, when, when they're short-staffed on the boats themselves. So, uh, you know, she'll actually do two two or three days at sea, which I think <laughs> is quite sweet. And uh, for an 81-year-old woman, I think she's doing super-duper jobs. I agree. It's it, fantastic. So what are you going to do for the day? She was mentioned on Radio Humberside once. Oh, was she? Yes. What yeah. was that in, in yeah. their police action series that they were running? Uh, it was in that, yes. Well, there's no need for that to bring that up. No, I, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Uh, anyway, she, she sent me a card. She never forgets. It usually got a bill in it. I remember <laughs> her very well indeed, because her and her husband used to be in the iron and steel business. She used to iron, he used to... Well, anyway, perhaps he wasn't <laughs> in all the time. Who knows? <laughs> Ain't that... Yeah, good, good, good. All the old ones are coming out this morning. It's, it's funny thing is, every time you're it's on the programme, you remind me of them. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I like old gags. Do you? Yes. Do you? They were innocent. Well, uh, there was an innocence to them. Yes, well, you should watch this this channel I mentioned, Film 24. I think it's great. Yeah. Not that I'm paid to plug them, but I, I think they show all these old comedies. You I know, love stuff like that. 
Oh, we'll put it on in the afternoon. Every day at midday, they've got a matinee, and it's something you're guaranteed to have never seen before. Oh, right. You know, all these B-movies. They used to make lots of B-movies in Britain, you know. Yes, Because uh, yes. they used to show double bills, didn't they? Yes, you no, go to, you go to the cinema. of the British quota, yes. as we talked about before. Mm. Whereas a, a certain have... number of films had to be British. And, and you, you can see, though, mm. they were made in about half an hour, many of them. Yes. But they're great films. They were good films. They were very yeah. good little films. I used to love all that stuff. You go to the cinema and you've got a proper evening's entertainment in a big cinema. Mm. You know, you could light mm. up and you could sit there and you could see <laughs> the smoke curling up, you know, as we sit Light up in a cinema. Oh, that's yes. just a revolting thought. I know. No, but there's something magical about seeing the beam of light going through the smoke. Yes. Uh, no, there, there really isn't. No, there, there was. was. There was. <laughs> you don't get to see it anymore. Yeah. Cool. And you'd sit there. If you sat on the right-hand side, it was smoking. Left-hand side was non-smoking. It makes no difference, does it? Because all the smoke from the right's going to drift to the yeah, left. We didn't know that. Oh, the people were so naive in days gone by. Not naive, stupid. They were stupid. They just banned the smoking here in Cyprus, as you know, I think I mentioned. Yes. On the 1st of January. And, and it's a very unpopular law. And now you have nightclub owners and pub owners saying our business has gone down by a staggering 40%. Wow. And if they ask you, if you don't reverse the ban, we're going to have to lay people off. I said, well, I just don't believe that. If you are a smoker, you're quite happy. Well, you're not quite happy, but you will stand outside for five minutes mm. and have a cigarette, you know. I mean, we're not in Arctic Norway here. This is Cyprus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> getting it drenched on the pavement. It is but, amazing uh, how they actually brought in <laughs> a smoking ban. I found that absolutely unbelievable. Within a short space of time, nobody is smoking in buildings. It was only a short while ago, I said before, that I could sit in a studio with a cigarette on, the guests could have a cigarette on, and the whole you could walk around with, with cigarettes. In a building, I mean, it's yeah. absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's a lifetime away, isn't it? Really, yes. even thinking. I, I remember coming back and forward to England in the early days on Cyprus Airways uh, when we used to fly uh, quite quite often, uh, and, and, and you could smoke on Cyprus Airways. <laughs> and and I, I was thinking recently, I, you know, it really does seem like a misty dream when you remember sitting on an aeroplane lighting up a cigarette. Yes. Uh, and, and, and they used to have, in way of entertainment, Cypress Airways didn't have TVs. They had um, a, a drinks car, a drinks trolley, and it was all free. So by the time you got to London, you know, you'd been smoking and drinking for four and a half hours. Yes. At 4,000 feet, you were completely sloshed. It was great fun. <laughs> in fact, in fact in the early 70s, them. we spent most of our time on flights sloshed. It was the only way to get there. I hated flying. Hated it. Yeah, I, I, I used to love it. I can't stand it now. I avoid it at all costs. I, I do find it a little bit stressful. It takes you long enough to get to the airport, to check in, to sit in the seat. All I want to do is just wave a magic wand and get there in seconds. Yeah. You know, let's have a TARDIS oh. invented or something like that. Best to stay at home. I think Best you're probably right, home. actually. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can have a lot of fun just staying at home. And, of course, you can go on flight simulators. Yes, that's so true. That's, that's true. And you can pretend you've been there. You know. I'd, I'd rather not, though. I'd, I'd rather just stay at home. I have many I, items I at home which sort of simulate various things that people can do. And <laughs> I've been quite happy. <laughs> quite happy over the years <laughs> with a flight simulator. I'd love a flight simulator at home, can you imagine? Or a racing car at home. You could probably get one for your Playboy yes. game station or whatever it's called. Yes, I think you, you probably... Well, I don't have any of that. So I don't have computer games. Oh, uh, no, well, you're famous me, because I don't know what all this PSP and no, MSN... I've had one, but I, yeah. I, I didn't use it and I gave it to a friend of mine. But you can get a programme where you pretend to be a pilot. Oh, I, like I know that. that. Yes. You know, and, and you can actually simulate your own 
your own crashes. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is your pilot speaking. There is nothing to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the problem, you know, if you buy that kind of stuff nowadays, I'd imagine that the MI5 or CIA or whoever these bods are would probably take down your phone number if you purchased the game. Yes, yes. You know? Uh, there's some some peculiar-looking man from Twickenham just bought a flight simulator. He looked particularly depressed, so we better keep an eye on him. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not talking, you're talking about Nathan. I'm a bit worried about this. I, I shall check when I go back today. Anybody looks suitably depressed in Twickenham? We all looked very happy the other day, actually. But listen, I had to, I had to let you go because I know that you want to go and carry on icing the cake. And, oh, that's uh, right. For you, and Mr. Chaz, for later. Well, I haven't even had my birthday kiss from him yet. He's somewhere out there. I'm going to go and find him now. Well, go and have a find of him. Have a lovely, lovely day. Thank you very much, gents, and both enjoy the show, and, and I will speak to you next week when I will uh, have my first week of 26 years old. Oh, Looking forward. Good Lord. That's amazing, isn't it? Nathan, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Take care. Nathan Morley, our man in Cyprus. Quarter to six. <laughs> These are the headlines. British rescue teams are due to arrive in Haiti to help in the search for people trapped under the rubble after the powerful earthquake. Officials say up to half a million could have been killed. Three men are being questioned about the murder of a father of one who was stabbed when he chased after robbers embarking on Friday night. And lawyers acting for Prince William's girlfriend have written warning letters to two picture agencies after photos of Kate Middleton were published in Germany. They say it amounts to a breach of her privacy. His man never turns down the offer of a photograph. It's <laughs> Hugh Broom. You'd be surprised. <laughs> uh, right, uh, starting Serverton. Serverton Hill Road. It's 12 minutes to 6. Listening in uh, Portland, Oregon. Rick the cabbie says cheers to all my fellow cabbies in London because he's over there, tax exile now. He says, if you find taxi people... Exile. <laughs> a taxi exile. If you find people in your home here, you have the right to use deadly force. That's why it doesn't happen very often over there, I should imagine, Rick. It's always interesting, isn't it, when you think that people can move in. Apparently, the man who owned the house wanted to turn the electric off, but he couldn't, because that would have invaded their human rights. As far as I'm concerned, somebody's in my house. But you're already... paying for it, aren't you? Yes, exactly. They've already foregone oh, human rights. Please. Um, uh, Darren says, regarding uh, police recruiting... I know here in the Metropolitan Police we have a height-to-weight ratio, and I think it's nationwide... This was brought in to recruit more ethnic minorities and bring more diversity into the police service. There you go. So, the, dre- the dressing up the dressing up department there. I just think he looks a bit shorter. If you see the pictures in the paper today, he does look a bit... It's, nobody's going to take... And that's why he's in the paper. It's not we're laughing at him. We just think it looks quite funny. No, we are laughing at him, it actually. Does. It, it does look a bit like the two Ronnies. It does, doesn't it? Because he's with someone else. So yes. It's... And he's also carrying a little bit of weight... You know, if there was a, if there were, he, he might be very good black belt at karate and all that kind of stuff, but I think that if it was involving a chase, I don't think he'd get very far. I saw some uh, pretend police constables the other day, the uh, the local ones, and they they were chasing after somebody. Well, one of them was puffed out. Mm. Didn't he run about two two yards? Poor soul. A lot of people driving. There's a woman pictured in the paper today. She's in the Daily Star. She's in a few other papers. She was driving, but she hadn't cleared her windscreen of snow, so she's cut two little holes. In the, the police pulled her over, gave her a good slap on the legs and said, don't be so stupid. Literally, little tiny, tiny portholes. Oh. It's broken. Don't tell me it's broke. Is it broke? <gasps> Coffee machine's broken already. Oh, oh we my do. God, I'm not sure I can cope with that. But so, so she's cut these little holes in there and the police pulled her over and gave her a ticking off. I mean, absolutely. So you'd have to be stupid to drive out with two little holes there. It's just uh, not, not, not good enough, I'm afraid. 84850, steve at uk. Paul. Uh, Steve, um, a health war club, has warned that aliens will eat fatties first. 
One of Britain's biggest health clubs has been criticised for putting up a sign warning fatties that they will be eaten first by aliens. The advert was meant to encourage people to join up and lose those excess pounds put over on Christmas. The, uh, the sign, which features a green alien, read, Advanced health warning. When the aliens come, they will eat fatties first. It then goes on to urge people to take up a special offer to join the health club and spa attached to Cadbury House Hotel in Bristol. But it prompted an angry reaction from some people in the local community, with the residents saying it's offensive to those struggling with their weight. Oh, God, I'm sick to death of people who are offended. As far as I'm concerned, just have to be offended. Just walking out on the street probably offends you, I should imagine. Uh, the BBC are planning to axe a raft of top shows so they can afford to make new ones. I don't see how. They've got loads of money. Got loads of money, the BBC. Mm. Uh, gone? Teddy Pendergrass. Gone. Died. Did he? Yes, yesterday. What was his big hit? Oh, what was Teddy Pendergrass's big hit single? Digest. Mm. I remember he, he came... I've got a box Close set. Close the door. Uh, two Hearts with Stephanie Mills. Oh, right. Mm. It Should Have Been You. No, I don't remember any of these. No. no. Uh, let me Teddy think. Pendergrass. I'm sure he recorded for um, uh, Philadelphia label. That, you know, he did. T-S-O-P. You're right. M-F-S-B. <laughs> yeah, M- um, mother's father's P-D-Q. sister's brother's, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. The Sound of Philadelphia, and I'm sure That's that was right. on Teddy Pendergrass was on there as well. Yeah, Great soul singer. Yes. Great soul singer. So he, he passed away the other day. He did yesterday. Shame. So the BBC won't be making a show about him. But uh, they've got Billy Piper starring in a new drama. Really riveting. Uh, but they say that um, Waterloo Road and Casualty and Holby City are going to be staying. Rather a shame, isn't it? I'm bored with all of those. Mm. I think you should have a clear out every so often and do them. And then here she is, old... Uh, Old Kerry Katona, looking like old Kerry Katona. And uh, keeping mum on her pregnancy, uh, she said here that uh, she's been the victim of an internet hoax. I think everybody's been the victim of, uh, of you hoaxing. Ronnie, uh, the BBC had been forced to apologise to Ronnie Corbett after a producer on the show, when he, when he cancelled, Ronnie being 79, just couldn't make one of these shows, and they wrote a very rude thing about him. And it was circulated in an email from the uh, producer... Uh, the executive producer, Doug Carnegie. Uh, luckily, Doug Carnegie is leaving the programme in a couple of weeks' time. Rather stupid man. You know, you never, ever put anything in an email because it then gets circulated. And, uh, and they've had to apologise. It was sent to 60 staff just because somebody pulled out. You know, sometimes you do get... You know, you're all sitting there waiting at the last minute. Somebody phones up and goes, sorry, they're not, they're not going to make it now mm. due to this and that. And you just go, OK, fair enough. Yesterday, braving the ice and snow for In Conversation this weekend, Sunita... So she, she managed to make it in. Everybody else manages to make it. So I can't understand why. Through the slush and with her, her curlers in, because she was going off for a photo shoot. People always tell you this on radio. And so she was wearing <laughs> her curlers because she was off to the photo shoot. But uh, she was lovely. And, of course, she knows our Ashley Table very well. Yes, I'm sure Very, she very does. well. I think they both go to the Bahamas for holiday. I must go there, actually. I must turn up in Sandy Lane one year and just go, mm. cooey. Well, they, uh, <laughs> she goes to Simon's house. Yes. He has a house there, doesn't he? He does. How lovely to be that rich. Although, interestingly enough, because uh, Paul Savory uh, knew Sunita from many, many years ago. I did. I many. used to take her to school. Strange enough, Simon <laughs> used to run around to radio stations in the days when, and this will bring back memories for a lot of people, uh, especially if you're a DJ, they, the artist would turn up, they would do their interview, they would sign a copy of the record, they, they'd pose for a picture, and then they'd sit in the studio and go, Hi, this is Sunita on Steve Allen's show on LBC, and here's my latest record. 
Mm. And they would do this hundreds of times. She said, we actually got wise to it, and we would record the jingles in advance and give them to them on cassette. And it would have, hi, this is Sunita on The Dale Winton Show, or hi, this is Sunita on Paul Savory's show. <laughs> but uh, it oh, mustn't give too much away, actually. God, that's half the base of the interview. But uh, he used to, used to drive around when they had no money. No money at all. Now, of course, he's got loads of money. More money than God. Worth every penny, as far as I'm concerned, mm, what we he's said very to good. yesterday. He is very good. I like him. And he's, he's, he's worked hard at it. He he's worked very hard at it. Um, they've got um, this sex tease in the paper again, I'm afraid. Katya. This is, uh, I mean, possibly... I'm, I don't want to be rude about this girl, but frankly, if this is what's called good-looking nowadays, I'm so glad I'm getting ancient, because this is just naff. Good-looking if you want to work in a Latvian bar or something like that, but, I mean, certainly not good-looking. Here she is in a modelling pose. Just looks naff, I'm afraid. Look, I mean, I mean, I'm not being rude, am I, Paul? Tell me I'm not being rude. That's naff. It's naff, isn't that it? Is it's very... not... I'm so, Jess, I'm sorry, this is just really crass, naff, cheap photographs from somebody who doesn't have any looks whatsoever. Nothing. Poor soul. I'm only 30, I'm not that old, she says, bless her heart, honestly. I have to keep that myth going, I suppose. Do you have a quickie for me? No. Oh, right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> no harm in asking, is there? Might as well ask. Nothing you know, in the today. Oh, I've got to take you to task. I do, what have I done? John says, tell your resident Noel Paul Sabre, there were many oh. design differences between the Titanic and sister ship Olympic. It is not true that only the replacement of rivets told the two ships apart. No significant difference being a 60-foot length of the Titanic's A-deck was partially covered, whereas on the Olympic it was not. Also, the positioning of portholes was different. He's quite clearly an expert. He's been on the internet. Yes, obviously. <laughs> but I did also say it's probably a load of old rubbish. That's what he says. He said the Titanic and Olympic swapped in an insurance fraud. Rubbish. There you go. He no, does, he does I count. Yeah. I was talking about a TV show that did go out, that yeah. was made, and I did say... I probably think, yeah, yeah. I think it's a load of old rubbish. It's like but all the... You can always guarantee everywhere there'll be think. a conspiracy theory. No, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not a know-it-all at all. The, Especially the, not on the Titanic. Yeah. Teddy was the lead singer with... I can't remember. Harold Melvin and the Blue uh, Notes. That's right. He was. If you don't know me Of course, Harold died now. a few years ago. Yes. Interesting, isn't it? So now, now you know. And uh, another one here. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, how absurd, says Joe, that the police having to go around to give some round-the-clock protection to that hate cleric for fear of a far-right attack on him. Oh, I totally agree. I mean, to be honest with you, let him fend for himself. Mm. You know, he's, he so hates this country. I'll tell you what, matey, we hate you too. There you go, that's good. The police height res- uh, requirement was abolished almost 20 years ago. Oh, says Jerry. 20 years ago? Can't have been 20 years ago. I still remember 20 years ago they were doing five foot six. Different for women, I think. Dif- different from women. But, uh, and Viv remembers when you used to go down to South End Pier and used to put a penny in the slot of the laughing policeman. Oh, yeah. And in fact, it used to be as well, a laughing sailor. He'd sit on a box and go... <laughs> well, when I was a kid, he I He just remember. laughed. There he were, just laughed. There were rows of these automatons yes. in Barry Island. <laughs> Harry Island. You just go around with a penny and stick a penny in each of them. That's right. And they'd all so, laugh. Yeah. I like the graveyard. Oh, the graveyard. Where the, the coffins were. The they were little tableaus. Yes, that's and right. Really there, was, there was one with Aladdin or something in as well. Oh, was there? Yeah. I, I don't remember I, that. A man in a turban, definitely. Oh, right. No, I only remember the Could graveyard. And it would go, ooh, and the lights would flicker and the coffin lid would lift up and this rather emaciated skeleton would sort of pop out and then go back in again. But the policeman was very funny and also the laughing... 
um, sailor who would sit on a box and just rock oh, backwards yes. and forwards. Gosh, I remember that. And that's these, all they yes. did, Jess. And we paid a penny, an old penny, for the privilege. Carters have still got some of these in their travelling funfair. And uh, it'll bring back lots of memories. The other one where you had to flick a metal ball and it had to land in a windslot for you to win either 2p or a little piece of chocolate. How grateful for we at the time. It was, I used to love stuff like that. You'd walk round, come on, hands up at home, you'd walk round the amusement arcade and you'd be clutching six pennies that your mum and dad had given you and you'd decide which machine you were going to play on. You know, which one, which one was going to get the coveted penny. And you'd walk round for ages until you just... I'll have a go with this one, and you put it in, and if you didn't miss, or if you, if you didn't win, you go, I'll go and try another machine. It's obviously not a good one. But uh, none of them were electricity in those days, apart from the laughing policeman, but terribly funny. Mm-hmm. There was a great record called The Laughing Policeman by a guy called Charles Penrose. That's right, 1932. Two, is it something like that? I wonder if he's still with us. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to take a, a short <laughs> break for the news. Other aside of that, oh, we are going off to Legally Blonde. Roger Foss went to see that last night. Uh, Joe Parkinson's already said to me, she said, you would love it. She said, it is sensational. So we'll find out what Roger thought after the news, which is next on LBC. We all make good decisions and bad decisions, but making no decision. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, LBC 97.3. Do you know the man in the paper the other day who was uh, taken to court because he was wearing medals that he wasn't entitled to? Well, you'll never believe it. The Daily Mirror have done an interview with him today. Him and his dreary wife. It turns out that they both met at, um, I think, the local amateur dramatic society. What does that tell you a lot? All women love a hero and mine deserves a medal for lying as his wife opens her heart. No, we don't like compulsive liars, I'm afraid, Maxine. And you, for one, should be told the truth, OK? He's a lying little person who turned up wearing ridiculous medals. The man's an idiot. News is next. On FM, online and... Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast being Thursday. Paul Saver is here. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, Harold Melvin, of course. That's why I hadn't heard of the hits he'd had by himself. Yes. But I did, of course, hear uh, and remember Don't Leave Me This Way and If You Don't Know Me By Now and Wake Up Everybody and Close The Door. Great voice, great voice. How old was he, do we know? 59. Oh, dear. Way too young. Way too young. Way too young. Uh, Excuse me, I just had to grab a quick slurp of coffee. Because the more I read about this ridiculous man who turned up at the Poppy Day celebrations wearing fake medals and his ludicrous wife, who went out and bought them for him, uh, she says, all women love a hero, mine deserves a medal for lying. They're a rather stupid couple, I'm afraid. In fact, if, if I was running a local amateur dramatic group, I'd kick them both out straight away. This man had the audacity to stand there alongside proper soldiers who had won medals uh, and his on his chest. I mean, the man was just a complete idiot, I'm afraid. And, uh, and they've done this story here now. And, um, and you sort of think that there are these stupid couples all over the country. This one turned up and said, I'd have, you know, even the people round here, him must have been absolutely horrified. He says, but the punishment is fitting. I've lost my job and lost friends who've been mates for years. He said, and I've had hate email. Well, I couldn't comment on things like that. It's not very pleasant to receive hate, hate email, but then you shouldn't have set yourself up as an idiot, I'm afraid. The medal faker and his wife owns a heart. Two idiots in the same family. Mm. It's not, not easy to talk about. Paul. <laughs> Steve, a dilapidated beach hut. Oh, I know. We did this one oh, yesterday. Somebody's interested in buying it. Well, I'm sure they are. Shall I not do it then? No, don't, do, don't do the beach way. hut because we were so horrified that it was, it doesn't, uh, the, it doesn't have a door. That's right. There's no I, do- and it's still forty forty thousand pounds. I, I noticed the uh, one of the websites that I use for these stories 
last night had all the uh, the dates mixed up on them, that, oh, so right. they were not in order, so yeah. I apologise for that. What, what amazed me, it wasn't the most expensive. The most expensive beach hut was £165,000 down at Sandbanks in near oh, Poole in Dorset. Hell, two. <laughs> what would you do with it? Do you have them up in Welsh Wales? No. They're not big. Not that I remember. No. They used to Certainly be fairly big now. down South End and places like that. You would see them, and people would use them for changing and stuff like that. Well, you might have them in North Wales. Don't they yeah. have them in North Wales? Can't remember. Either yeah. way, they're very, very expensive. So be uh, be careful. Yes. There's a, anyway, the, did you do the uh, Iowa Farmer yesterday? No. Or is that a new one? No. Is that a new one? Okay. An Iowa farmer has given his wife the crappiest birthday present ever. Dick Kleiss used a manure spreader spell out oh. happy day love you <laughs> in a field visible from the living room of the couple's home wife carol was surprisingly happy with the gift of more than 50 tons of dung she says he's done weird things before for my birthdays but maybe not this weird mr kleist did also take his wife out for dinner and to a movie to celebrate her 67th birthday but wanted to do something unique something said do something you're good at <laughs> He said... There it was. So I made a card <laughs> with my pen and then said, I've just run out... What? <laughs> I've just run out of stuff to do for her birthday. Mr Kleist said it took three hours and four loads of liquid manure to create the message. He said, I was going to put a heart out there after the happy birthday, but I ran out. <laughs> but that, you see, is a useful present. Do you remember at Christmas? A useful present? Well, it is if you're a farmer. They were, doing, they were offering Christmas presents, I think, through the Christian Aid catalogue last year and the year before, of a chicken or a goat or something like that mm. for people. So it would be a useful Christmas present. I think manure's very handy. I used to go shoveling it on farms at an early age. The machine you were thinking of, the man with the turban, was the fortune-telling machine. That's the one. Yes. yes. And you would and put your penny in, he, he would wave his hand, yes. and the card would come out, and it was based on um, a thing that they did in the film Big with Tom Hanks. No, no, it was long before that. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Oh, right. That's, a, that's yes. the same thing, Zoltan, the card oh, reading see. machine. Yes, you're it right. It was the same thing. Yes, you're right. And there was also another one that that spat out a little tiny blue box. Oh, right. With, with what a, was in it? a little gift in it. Right. Do you remember the put a penny in and pull a handle and it would change shape? It, was, it had a series of rollers. You would put your own penny in and it would flatten oh, yes. it out. Yes, you can still get those. Yeah, you I know, know I saw one at a station the other course. day. Oh, no. oh, of course it's illegal. Do you remember the record machines? Uh, what, where you go in and you make your own record? Yes. Well, that's how Cliff Richard got his um, deal with the MI years and years ago, 1956, five, no, eight. I wish I'd kept mine. It was a little thin piece of plastic. You recorded onto it, then it came out. Yes, it was great. A flexi-disc. Yes, flexi yes. And they used to give flexi-discs away with, uh, with some of the magazines. Yeah, I remember they used to have one in Bridge End bus station. Or a flexi machine or a magazine. <laughs> Both. <laughs> Paul Imagis remembers all of these because his sister and him used to make these things. Isn't it funny? Do, do actually, it seems daft, doesn't it? But to actually hear yourself on a record. I think that was, that was very, very good indeed. Very good indeed. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, There is an old penny arcade in Brighton in the arches on the seafront. Had all the machines you mentioned and more. And you buy your pennies, the old pennies, from the attendant. I know, but the trouble is you've got to buy pennies at the current rate of exchange. I wish I kept the old ones. Yes. Which is, well, I'm uh, sure you could buy them in Camden Market 
What, old Bonds, pennies? Yeah. Yeah, but they're still a lot more expensive. Probably. Carter's had this thing at the big Winter Wonderland fair, and it was a whole truck with all of these machines, most of which aren't, aren't even electric, including the horse racing, where you turn the handle very fast oh, yes. to make the horses run along the back. Yes, I love that. I just get quite excited. It's not working properly. It's not working properly. <laughs> That's right. right. Everybody <laughs> else was except yours. Exactly. Mine was, and they had camel racing as well, which we saw. Uh, biggest selling uh, record for Teddy Pendergrass, the whole town's laughing at me. Remember that one? Yes. Teddy Pendergrass, who uh, departed this, uh, this life yesterday. That is all! Ian Jury was Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll. Morning, everybody. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. You're tuned to LBC 97.3. It's nice to have your company. I think it's raining, actually. We looked out earlier on. It looked like it was raining. And there's still lorries gritting. Because in certain parts of the capital, obviously, it's the, it's the ice that's in the little uh, side roads. But off to the theatre they went last night. Because uh, opening to the public is Legally Blonde. And it's down at the Savoy Theatre, which is a lovely little theatre, actually. Burnt down years and years ago, and then they put it all back together again. Legally Blonde stars... Well, who does it star? Let's find out from our man in the front row with his very own popcorn. It's Roger Foss. Morning, Roger. Good morning, Steve. Yes, of course, it's Duncan James, but the big star is Sheridan Smith. There are others in it. Peter Davison, you know, former Doctor Who. A.C. Mulholland's in it, who was one of the wannabe Maria's on telly, if you remember. And uh, fantastic cast, but... Wow, I mean, if it's chilly outside at the moment, this is really hot stuff, I think. Last night actually was a big gala night at the Savoy for Legally Blonde, and and they they made us go beforehand. We we all went to preview nights because they wanted us to be with, if you like, a paying audience and not with the usual crowd of celebrities and the Mm. usual suspects. And, of course, it's a brilliant idea because you could never get the same fantastic atmosphere that that this show generates in fact it just generates this huge whoosh of joy that's completely in, infectious and I, I i i think well it's just amazing i've got to say though move over tracy turnblatt because ellie woods is in town you know this blonde girl who does well at harvard law school and wins a court case and sheridan smith is absolutely fantastic i think duncan james in that LBC news story is absolutely right. This is a great big pink bubble of a show. Everything's pink. <laughs> Even I'm Duncan James. <laughs> well, exactly. I know the irony of it all. <laughs> well, it's so strange because Joe Parkinson, when I came in this morning, Joe Parkinson, I said, what on earth are you doing here? She said, we've just got back from the party for Legally Blonde. She said, you oh, yes. love the show. She said, you yes. love it. It's brilliant. It is absolutely fantastic. Of course, we all know the film. It's a it's a very well popular film, isn't it? College girl. I've goes, never seen it. Well, yeah, it's it, it, she's a college girl, Ellie Woods. She's a fashion queen, and uh, and 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 very girly, a natural blonde, but she's a dumb blonde. Even her CV is scented. It's that sort oh, of nice. thing. But when her boyfriend, who's Duncan James, she, he he wants to dump her for a much more serious girl. So she chucks out the makeup, she throws away all the glamour mags, and she heads off to Harvard Law School and uh, proves that you don't have to be ugly and serious <laughs> to be successful oh, and wins a court case. And, uh, and it's just great fun. Of course, it was a, a bit of a hit on Broadway, although it didn't run that long, and I think it's still touring in the States. But it's full of great moments, and uh, I think this is very much a... It's lots of pink. I, I have to say this. It's a very girly show. 
Right. Very girly show. I was surrounded by 90% young women, all under 30, uh, absolutely enjoying every second of it. And I think it's a bit like Dirty Dancing and Hairspray and Wicked mm. and Calendar Girls. It's got that girls' night out feel about it, but I think the boys will be tickled pink too. It's just fantastic fun, and uh, and it has got that serious point about not judging people by their appearances. And I was thinking of that when you were talking about the tiny policeman. Yes. <laughs> I just feel sorry for him because they, they, they've only put the poor little soul in the paper because he's tiny. He's not in there because he's, a, because he's sort of a, an exceptional policeman. He's in there because he's tiny. So they, they've he's... made a, a, a feature about him. Absolutely, I know. And, of course, I think they've found the tallest policeman to stand next to him. But uh, mm. Sheridan Smith, of course, is tiny, actually. Where does she She's come a, from? A, a, Where's she little from? lady. She comes from somewhere... I can't remember where it is. Somewhere up north. Where, somewhere what, up there. What, what do we know her for? Well, we know her from telly, from Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps. She was in that series Grown Up. She's in Benny Dorm, Gavin and Stacey. Oh, she's in that. Oh, she's in everything. She's Smith's sister. She, she was in, in the royal family playing Anthony's uh, girlfriend, popping oh, in and out and, and and on stage of course we've known we've all known that she's a brilliant comedian she's a, she she was in something years ago i remember michael coveney uh, talking about this too um she was in something at the national youth theater many many years ago just a teenager and immediately you picked her out because she was fantastic and and more recently in the little shop of horrors revival she was great in that and uh, and in this i i think she's absolutely spot on it's perfect casting she's probably far better than anyone they had on broadway mm. and um and she's got that comedy thing about her she's a, a bit like a mix she's sort of like a young alison steadman mixed with hilda baker really i think what a combination <laughs> yes great at playing a dolly bird and a sort of dim kind of blondie type girl but also fantastic as this smart legal eagle and uh, i think she in the courtroom scene she's absolutely brilliant in fact i think she's guilty she is guilty of possessing a huge amount of comedy genius and uh, there is this wonderful moment that nobody must miss a uh, great big routine in the second act big courtroom scene and uh, and it all hinges on a witness and they're not sure if he's if he is he gay or is he just european and that's the joke it keeps getting repeated and there's a re- great big climactic moment and duncan james's character looks around and he says hey why are you all looking at me and of course yeah. <laughs> we all know there's a big subtext there so yeah <laughs> I, I i think this is great news for the west end if this isn't a big huge ginormous hit then i'm going to go brunette what again <laughs> <laughs> you know you did that in the war and when you had to use that sugar water to set your hair there's a few problems there, I remember. <laughs> Eagle started pecking at your head. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. As I say, it, it only confirms what Joe Parkinson said to me, that it's a, it's a big smash, come out with a big smile on your face musical. Absolutely right, absolutely right. And, of course, it's done fantastically well uh, in these very long period of previews. Yes. And I think that's partly because of the marketing. They did all this lottery selling of tickets fairly cheaply, and, and the place has been absolutely packed. I think they were absolutely right to get the critics along. Good and be with a normal audience for a change. And I think this should happen all the time, like they do it on Broadway. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and as I say, I think you'll be tickled pink by this. It's just, uh, just wonderful. It's so, nice, isn't it? You know, when you do get a show, when it, we've had miserable weather and people are walking around with long faces, you think we can, we can sort of shove you into the theatre, you can have a bit of escapism for a couple of hours. Billy Connolly, of course, is, uh, is out on the town. He's doing uh, two hours straight through 
There's no break. Yeah. We think he's about 67, so he's got great stamina. And the, the one good yeah. point of this show, Dawn was telling me, is that he advises people never, ever to go to Blackpool, which, of course, is something <laughs> I did years ago on this programme, saying, I've been to Blackpool, it was ghastly. Don't ever go yeah. there. <laughs> I think you've got some copyright on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he probably heard it from me, and he thought, I'll do a piece on Blackpool. Because everybody started doing Blackpool pieces after I did it, but never mind. So, uh, so good news all round for Legally Blonde at the Savoy Theatre. And next week, what are you off to, Roger? Well, next week there's a lot opening. There's a new comedy round the corner from you uh, called A Little Dog Laugh. Yes, at the, uh, Garrick. the Garrick. Yes. yes, which is about Hollywood, and I think uh, an actor who's not sure whether he should be reveal whether he's gay or not. Uh, so that's opening next week, and, uh, oh, you know, I can't remember what else. Oh, yes, The Young Vic, something going on there, and, uh, and we've got Six Degrees of Separation opening at The Old Vic, which should be very interesting, another, um, title that we all know from movies. And I, I've just, by the way, been up to, uh, uh, up, upstairs at the Gatehouse in Highgate, uh, the highest theatre in London, and, of yes. course, they're doing High Society there, but the high, Cole Porter high, musical, high which... <laughs> a lovely little musical, that, I love Well, it. it's got true love in it, hasn't it? That yes. great song. And, of course, uh, they were saying up there they'd had problems, of course, with the snow and everything yes. and, and just missed out on a couple of performances. And I think people are now picking up on it. But Good. nothing should stop people going to see Legally Blonde. I think go there, put your snowshoes on, go on your skis, whatever it is, dress pink and have a great night out. Excellent. Roger, we'll talk to you next week. OK, Steve. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. Yep. And you, bye. Bye. Roger Foss, our man in the front row. Nick Ferrari after the news at seven. This morning, with the people of Haiti reeling from an earthquake that's killed, they say, up to half a million and left the fate of millions more hanging on aid supplies. Nick will be speaking to the Sky reporter Robert Nisbet, who's at the scene. Plus, with so many old people suffering in the freezing weather conditions, Nick will be asking why we treat our elderly so badly in Britain. Tessa Jowell, the Olympics minister, will be joining Nick at the studio to answer your questions. And uh, doing the papers today, the head of Fleet Street Consultancy and author of Positivity, and that's Artie Halle. I think that's how you pronounce it, with apologies if not. Uh, Anne, Whitt oh, Anne Whittacombe's going to be in, talking about uh, cutting the prison population by a third. Good idea or bad? Anne Whittacombe says, absolutely not, as you can well imagine. Uh, plus, as I say, we'll be talking to Mandy Payne, the daughter of parents who have dementia and in, uh, are in old people's homes. Mandy suffers from a terminal lung condition called chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and struggles to pay for her parents' care. Why do we do, why do, we do that in this country? We put people... You know, into homes, don't we? It's terrible. And I forgot to mention earlier on that it was Ray Frensham who says that uh, it's Nathan Morley, born in 1974, which makes him, he says, <coughs> 36. Yeah, I know, it's rubbish, isn't it? LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. This is LBC 97.3. Time now, 6.30. Oh, there'll be no trouble with the racing. They'll definitely be racing at Lingfield, he said yesterday. All right. Oh, dear me. What happens? Even before I'd left the building to go and get a bacon baguette for Hugh Broom, for which he paid, they'd cancelled the racing at Lingfield due to poor road conditions. Not so much the fact that, that the horses couldn't run, it's the fact that nobody could get there. We can't all be perfect like you. Well, you can try. You know, I am practically perfect in every yes. way. <laughs> so you were abandoned. So that was good news. So you saved two pounds. Oh, that's nice. But you are still in profit to the tune of four pounds, 40 pence. Mm -hmm. A veritable fortune in your neck of the woods. Yes, it is. And uh, Alex's divine force, of course, I mean, nothing round. So his total lost two pound 20. So it's not bad. As you were, basically. As, as we were. So today we're off to Southall, mm. the 120 
Tri-Cat. I'm going with the 120 at Southerl as well. Oh, here we go. Ooh. It's going to be a fight. Fight. It's, it's, it is. Go on. Ask the Oracle. Ask the Oracle. Quite like the sound of that. So if there's only two horses running, at least we're going to win it. Well, yes, but the trouble is he won't go each way. He will not do it. I've oh, tried. I know. I've sent letters and everything. You've been on to, your knees, I, I have. It just doesn't work, does it? So, try cat and yours is Ask the Oracle. Yes. OK, fingers crossed for tomorrow. It'd be nice if you had a winner, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be lovely if I had a winner. Be lovely. Particularly as you'll give me some food. I will give some <laughs> I feel like the Red Cross in this building. I really do. It's ridiculous. Nice to talk to you, Matthew. Yes, have a lovely day. Thank you very much indeed. There's Matthew. Have a lovely day. There's a sense of irony there, wasn't there? Actually, I was just talking about irony. I thought it was sarcasm myself. Yes, I thought it was sarcasm too, but I was, I was hoping to ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just reading about a poor lady. Let's call her Rachel for the purposes of this programme. Rachel goes online and she meets a man on an internet dating site, mateone.com. Okay, Mm. this is in the mirror today. And uh, she meets a man called Patrick. And so she chats away to Patrick. And Patrick says he's a 59-year-old construction engineer from Florida. He's got uh, no unhealthy habits, got a healthy income. And uh, after several weeks of online chat, and they're getting on really well, there's a picture of Patrick up there, uh, he then asks for a little bit of money. And the reason he asks for a little bit of money, he says, my daughter is stranded in New York... Two weeks later, he says, I need you to send £200 to Paul, my cousin, in New York. So this goes on. She gets wind and she starts thinking, because she's quite clearly, you know, been taken in by this scam. And so she agrees to wire £50 by Western Union to his cousin. When she refuses to send any more, Patrick admits that, in fact, he is a Nigerian con man, boasting, I make so much money online. So she's been caught out. Now, this was done on the television a while ago, where they filmed secretly a room full of these men who phone up people in this country and chat to them, or they go online, and all the money gets... It's the, it's the overpaying scam as well. You know, listen, I, I want you to buy my little dog because we're going to be missionaries and do this. And, listen, the dog's only £400. It's not that, it's just the vet's bills. Listen, um, if I send you a cheque for 1000 you keep 100 extra for yourself... And so it, it, it's very, it was the overpaying scam. The reason people were scammed is because it took that long for things to work out. Mm. And then you realise that they didn't have any money at all. Patrick, as I say, was the Nigerian con man. It could have been worse. One woman travelled to West Africa, got kidnapped by the man that she thought she was having a relationship with online and was only released by the intervention of the Foreign Office after a ransom was paid. So the advice is online dating be careful. Oh, these are scum, it is they? just awful that people would do that to somebody who's at their weakest. What I can't believe is the, the, the couple that are still held by pirates. Well, have you noticed yeah. that the demand has come down? They wanted 14 million, then well, 10 million, now it's 1.9 million or they'll be killed. I don't care how much it is. That We should have gone in and got them out of there. Well, I don't understand how they're able to get away with it. I mean, I would have thought that if you see these pirates coming alongside ships, you open fire and you kill them. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I agree. But they've got so many ships which they're holding for ransom, and nine yeah. out of ten times, the companies pay a, pay a ransom to get them back. This particular couple, the pirates holding them have said that uh, they, they, they're either going to get 1.9 million or they're going to be killed because they can't afford to keep feeding them. You think, well, you must be very poor, pathetic little pirates, I should imagine, because you must be making a fortune out of this, hijacking all these ships. They're not going to get 1.9 million because the government are not going to pay it and the family don't have any money. They're just two ordinary people in a boat going around the world. But surely if they keep paying the ransoms, it's going to uh, 
just make the problem bigger. Well, it does, that's why. So I think they, they've just said, and it must be awful for them, they're over there thinking what happens now, and the answer is, we wait for the inevitable, I suppose. Well, uh, we should have gone in there and got them out of there months ago. Well, I, I just, I don't think it's as easy as that. I don't think you could just go in and sort of attack these people for whom life means absolutely nothing. They couldn't care less whether they kill them or not. They're, they're only a bargaining tool, Yeah, but I think they? they'd be, they'd care that if they got killed or not. Yeah. But they're not going to get 1.9 million because they're just, a, be like, you know, if, if somebody kidnapped Jess. Couldn't be that lucky, but anyway. Uh, if pirates kidnapped her, they're not going to come up with 1.9 million. 30 pence, maybe, we might come up with if we had a whip round with everybody in the office. But, I mean, that's, a, that's about the extent of it. But, you know, <laughs> it, it, and even that's pushing it. Some people want IOU notes and have to sign an affidavit and all this kind of stuff. So, in the end, you wouldn't bother. But uh, it, it's, it's a worry that there are people still doing it. But it's the online cons that annoy me with people. It's like the post office used to run an advert on the television. A little old lady sitting there with her dog going, Oh, look, Tiger, or whatever the dog was called. We've won some money on a European mm. lottery. Just send £25 so she sends her money off. And, of course, it's a con. You know, unless you've bought the ticket for something, you've won nothing. Of course. You've won nothing. You don't have to pay for anything. If you win the lottery, they just, you know, bring the money round. If you win the national lottery here, they, they bring round 5,000 quid just to make sure that you tidied over for that night uh, until they've actually uh, sorted out the money. Elvis apparently made his own record the same way as Cliff Richard, which he then sent to Sam Phillips of Sun Records, says Tom. Oh, right. So... Elvis, because they're now celebrating Elvis 75. Would he have been 75? 75. 75. Imagine what he would have looked like at 75. Quite old. (laughs) Quite old, actually. Only the good die young, they say, which explains why I'm still here. Uh, There's a burglar who's robbed 1,400 homes since 2002, despite four years sent in prison, was jailed for six years yesterday. He's only 22. He's obviously a complete idiot. So off he goes to prison, and uh, best that he actually stays there. Uh, Helen and Anthony in Hanwell, there are beach huts in Langland Bay Gower. Oh, is there? Are I don't there? even know where that is. Gower, down by Swansea-ish, yes. yes. Down by Swansea, is Gower it? Peninsula. Oh, fantastic, I've heard of yes, the Gower Peninsula. <laughs> Does Hugh Broom give manure as presents, says <laughs> Phil? <laughs> Probably a joke there somewhere. No, he gives logs, ladies and gentlemen. He cuts logs and eggs. Logs and eggs. Yes, but they're the smallest eggs you've ever seen. So you can make a fire and boil your eggs. You could, in fact. He, he goes round and he, he, he gets wood from sustainable forests and, and then he cuts it up and he, he sort of pops around your house and delivers a whole load of logs and then you can buy some of his eggs. He's got these... He brought them in, actually. <laughs> Didn't realise he produced any. <laughs> well, he, he does. I think while he's sitting at his desk, mainly. But they're all different colours. They're blues and greens and uh, most peculiar... That's be but he, he sort of brings them in. He, he went through a phase of sort of bringing them in all the time. He's obviously got some very, very product- productive uh, hens mm. at home. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> uh, another one uh, who says, why are these scams always based in Nigeria? They're not all in Nigeria. A lot came from Amsterdam via Nigeria. For some reason, Nigeria became home of the scam. They did a big thing on the television about scam medicines being sold in Nigerian markets. People were buying medicines, which they thought with the medicines, but they were copies, they were fakes, they, they mm. weren't going to do anything, but they would hand over money, and they would show you the fake, and then they'd show you the real thing. Yeah. You couldn't spot the difference, and people who come from these villages go, I need this for my dying aunt or uncle, and um, the, the scamsters would sell them this, this rubbish, and then they'd just walk away with the money. It's disgusting. It is disgusting it? that people would do it. It is disgusting. Uh, the same reason we don't attack the Somali pirates is the same reason we don't tackle the Robert Mugabe Zimbabwe situation. 
because, you know, he went over there and had all his henchmen go round and take people's farms and burn them and everything else. Why we've never mm. taken out this Pol Pot dictator, I've got no idea. Well, and his thieving wife. Again, agreed. But uh, in, a, in a strange kind of way, mm. the, uh, I feel the pirates kind of more directly um, attacking us yes. because they've taken British people. Yes. Al- although I understand that, you know, some of the farmers in Zimbabwe are British as well. Yes. Um, the stupid thing is that they went round there, there was a couple who they, uh, they went round, they massacred the wife and the children, mm. and then they threatened to kill the husband. I mean, by that time you'd have lost the will to live, and they set fire to his farm for no other reason apart from he was a white farmer. That's the, that's the, was the only reason. But to have your, mm. your family massacred in front of you, I don't know yeah. how you, how you live you know, that. And, and if you look at the country itself, since yeah. this man has been there, all, all of this... Inflation running wild. Well, the man's an idiot, isn't he? Everybody all of this has done an awful lot for the country, hasn't it? Yes, Not. exactly. Not. OK, right, we take a short break. It's uh, 16 minutes to seven. Hello, madam. Welcome to DFS. Are you looking for anything in particular? Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Uh, McCabe. Says my wife, daughters, and I saw legally blonde last Saturday at the Savoy. Two hundred percent fun. Two hundred. Two hundred percent, which is very good. And apparently, Jerry Halliwell has sparked rumours that she might be getting married. Mm, oh, again, how dreary. <laughs> apparently, the former Ginger Spice girl—they never ever called her Ginger Spice, did they? I suppose they did actually. Uh, was spotted visiting her local parish church with her best pal Kenny Goss, George Michael's other half. <laughs> and although they describe her as George Michael's long-term partner, long-term suffering partner, I think, would be, where is he today? So they spent an hour with the vicar. Perhaps she's going to marry him. I don't think so. I mean, why do these people, you know, they, she spent an hour visiting a church. She might have been talking about, you know, can I donate some money for the, for the new spire or something? Could be anything, couldn't it? Let's see, you have to sort of visit a church and that means you're getting married. Not to Kenny Goss, anyway. Not to Kenny Goss, definitely not. Uh, grit on the way, the rubbish is still piling up, which we talked about the other day on, on LBC. And uh, I've turned on... What did I watch the other day on the television? Oh, I watched Slumdog Millionaire. Yes. Again, it's so tedious. There's some very, very long bits in it. And there's not enough Bollywood dancing. Mm. At the end, there should have been a fantastic big, big, big number, like when they did that thing down at the railway station. We started with, yeah, 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 and that one, and everybody all danced. That's not Bollywood, that's Lulu. I know, but, that, but that's what it should have been at the end <laughs> or the of the Or the Isley Brothers. It, it, should have been, it should have been better. It should have been better, <laughs> put it that way. The world's fattest man was moved to hospital yesterday. Uh, he's 70 stone. It cost yeah. us 20 grand to get him into hospital because he has to be winched out and everything. Reinforced beds, and he's gone for this uh, operation, which they say could cost the taxpayer £20,000. He's only 48... He's munched his way through three takeaways a night and roast dinners as a snack. Small wonder he's 70 stone. I mean, to be honest with you, that is just obscene, I'm afraid. You have to put a gastric band on somebody to stop them eating, because mm. it's obviously, a, obviously an addiction. Are they going it? to be able to operate on him? Yes. Although, to be honest, how he's still living at 70 stone, I've got no idea. You couldn't do anything for yourself at that. Uh... Your heart would give out. That's uh, well, that's, well, that's generally move. what goes, isn't it? Mm. Apparently, the op's never been performed on such a giant patient in the UK. I would think just sort of wiring his jaws up might be a little bit quicker. Anyway, <laughs> that's me being caring and afraid about it. I hate gluttony. Paul. Steve, a Romanian woman nearly lost her family's life savings when she threw out her husband's old boots. Oh. The wife, named as Roxana T, was cleaning her flat for Christmas when she found the boots in a wardrobe. She threw them out with the rubbish without realising that her husband, Kaylin, had hidden the equivalent of £37,000 in one of them. 
Blimey, how big were these boots? <laughs> well, there they are. £37,000. Yep. Uh, the couple was saving money to build a new house and were keeping it inside their apartment because they didn't trust the banks. <laughs> Big surprise. Kalen said, we've had previous bad experience with an investment fund which went bankrupt and preferred to keep the money in the house. He said, I changed the hiding place without making sure my wife knew exactly where it was. I told her that uh, she may not be paying attention anyway. <laughs> After one week of investigation, police discovered the money had already been found by a local woman who had already used it to buy a house. She'd salvaged the boots from the bin with the intention of selling them second-hand at a flea market. The house deal was cancelled and the purchase price of £27,000 returned to its rightful owner. Where is this? Where was this taking place? Uh, this is in... Uh, Romania. Wow. £36,000 in a boot. Yeah, and £27,000 to buy a house. Wow. It's not bad, is it? That must be a very big house. For £27,000. <laughs> £27, I bet it is, actually. £27,000. You get a lot more for your money over there. I did laugh the other day. Heather Mills comes running, well, hopping, out of uh, Strictly Come Dancing, gets in her car, forgets there's a post in front of it and drives straight into it. So she gets out and goes, oh, dear. It was her birthday as well the other day, so what a way to celebrate, Heather. We're so happy for you. Uh, <laughs> don't forget, Sunita on the suite. We'll have all the, uh, the gossip from, uh, from behind the scenes at Strictly Dancing, because she was kicked out of the ice the other day. I know. How? Uh, I've got I no idea. I didn't she was going to be on it. I'd have yeah. watched it otherwise. But apparently, because um, my, my mother was saying, oh, Sunita was on. And, she was and, good. Uh, yes. But she didn't want to do the lift. There was no. a lift at the end, and she said, I don't want to do that lift. I'm giving I'm giving clues here of what she's talking about on the show. Yeah. At one point, well, I, I won't tell you what, what she allows me to do to her, but you'll have to tune in on uh, oh, Sunday Lord. morning. But my mum said she shouldn't have been thrown out. She was one of the better ones. Yeah, she was. That silly Emily Attack girl should have been kicked out ages ago. A grinning fool, I'm afraid. No talent whatsoever. Apparently, if you're fat, people don't want to employ you because they think that fat means lazy. Hmm. Which it doesn't, of course. It doesn't. Do you have an education? I only ask because overnight... <laughs> not much of one. Not much of one, no. Anthony Davis was talking about this is one of the few jobs that you can have in the entertainment indus industry where nobody questions what qualifications you've got because you don't need qualifications. The qualification you need is life. Yes. That you learn via experience. Uh, no is the answer. I left school when I was 15. Yes, me too. Were you and one of the, the last to be able to leave at 15? Uh, yes. yes. Yes, I think so. And uh, But my hunger for knowledge... Continues. I, I'm an, I watch the History Channel, I watch National Geographic, I watch Discovery, yeah. and I don't tend to watch the kind of rubbish we talk about this part. I know, I know. I mean, I hardly... I mean, I spend most of my time immersed in Einstein's theory of relativity. Well, indeed. I, I mean, I just have to watch some of these programmes. Well, Stephen to, Hawking's books and things like absolutely, that. Absolutely. Yes. Because I have to talk about things, and yes. that's it. Because you have to go for, for the mass appeal, and programmes such as the ones which we do talk about on the programme are the ones that get the biggest audiences. Yes. Sometimes a little bit embarrassing. I, I know, but... That's it. Nice to see you back in one piece. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be back. Yes, we're pleased. <laughs> I a... was, in the end, uh, very relieved that we actually managed to take off. Yeah. I should imagine the whole... Play because I, I got on a train yesterday at, um, at Waterloo Station, and we all sat there, and they went, Ladies and gentlemen, this train is cancelled. So we all got off again. And then we all went and stood on the platform waiting for the next one. How I ended could up... it be there and Exactly, be cancelled. Presumably perhaps the driver didn't want to drive in snow. Perhaps he was a bit worried about it. Uh, uh, Warren's off to New York today. Oh, Sounds very nice. Time. We're all a bit jealous of that. Uh, Paul will be back uh, on Monday. 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 
next week because he's away the on Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Right, <laughs> lovely, great stuff. I'm back tomorrow, I think. I have no idea, but I think I will be. Nick Ferrar is with you after the news at 7 o'clock this morning on uh, LBC. As I say, don't forget to podcast the programme and check out the blog. But here's today's business update with Matthew Schofield. Thanks, Steve. The saga of Hull by Cadbury's continues.